0: Hello, and welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today, we're going to be talking about performance management. And uh, to do that, we have our guests, John O'Brien and Dr. Richard Beck. So they did write a book called Engaging the Organization in Effective Performance Management. So we're going to talk about some techniques, some guiding principles, some tools, and uh little bit of uh, federal insights, what's worked at some federal agencies. Um, so without further ado, let's talk to John and Dr. Richard Beck. Hello and welcome to the podcast. All right, so today we have an exciting topic. We're talking about performance management. So we haven't really talked a lot about budgeting and performance, and uh, this will be this will be a very good one. And for this, we have uh, two guests today, uh, Dr. Richard Beck and John O'Brien, and uh, they actually wrote a book, which we'll be diving into. It's uh, Engaging the Organization in Effective Performance Management, Translating Vision into Results, which you uh, can go out there to Amazon and and pick it up, and uh, we'll get more into that a little later. But so why don't we just start off with uh, our guests introducing themselves. So why don't we start with Rich?
1: Thanks, Paul. I appreciate you having us, giving us this opportunity to be able to talk. Uh, Okay, so my name is Rich Beck. Uh, Basically, you know, my career academically started in science, and then I got interested in seeing what the government would do with science, which led me to a career with NASA for some, you know, 20, 23 years or so. And then after that, I moved over to the Department of the Interior. Uh, Most of the time with both agencies, I helped them uh pull together their budgets i help them do uh, planning i help them do performance management and such so uh uh my career spans almost 40 years uh working for the federal government mostly at headquarters but other other places as well uh, and then uh and then i've been able to do some teaching and and write a book with with john so uh and that brings us to to now so i guess john you're next
2: Thank you. Hi, I'm John O'Brien. I'm a retired Air Force officer. I did a 30-year career, uh, the last few years of which I was on the faculty of the National Defense University, where I had the pleasure of teaching classes in planning, strategic planning and performance, as well as a few little budgeting topics. Now, I wasn't teaching war fighting. I was teaching more making government work better, more domestic, if you will, how to uh, improve the uh, federal agencies within our uh, federal government. And as a result of that, I got more and more into the ideas of performance metrics. Uh, I was on the faculty uh, for many, many years, and uh, I just gleaned a whole uh, group of stories and uh, anecdotes and vignettes from students and so forth and so on. Uh, when I met Dr. Beck, when I met Rich, we seemed to meld together and all of those stories seem to bubble around and um, the result is a book. Thank you.
0: Great. Well, happy to have you on the show today. So I wanted to start with a very high level kind of uh, question just to get us on the same page uh, and then we'll get into the, the book in more detail. But so I wanted to see if you if you all would just mind telling me what your definition or your understanding is of performance management. I guess this funny term we use in government for, you know, executing on what we say we're going to do versus a private business world, you know, kind of measures things in profits and fun stuff like that. So I don't know, maybe Rich, or if you want to start off or just give us your interpretation of what, 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 how do you define performance management? What's a nice, simple definition for us?
1: okay well, well for for us i think and and john will you know will will give his his added comments too and we basically see performance management i mean this is starting with the vision of a leader as they come into an organization and and how do they basically shape that vision and then how do they um how do they how do they shape it how do they communicate it to the rest of the organization and how do you engage the organization in that through using Uh, You know, planning practices and then, you know, creating goals, creating metrics, tracking those metrics, reviewing the results from those metrics to make sure that you really actually achieve the results. So performance management, you know, it's not just the metrics themselves. It's about the whole aspect of laying out where you're going and then keeping track of of how you're, you know, how you're how you're doing on that, what progress you're making uh, to to ensure that the vision of the leadership actually uh, uh, gets accomplished.
2: Great. Um, and, uh, I told you a few minutes ago, I have a lot of vignettes and a lot of stories, and I guess I can lay one in right now. Um, I teach a class at the national defense university on planning and performance metrics. We dealt, we do deep dives into strategic plans, performance plans, performance reports. And we ask our students to quite frankly, you know, tell a lot of the dirty laundry about their own organizations. Of course, following, um, um, Academic integrity rules and things like that um, one of the things I discovered with my students is they frequently when they look at a they look at an organization they frequently want to go all the way to the end they want to solve the problem military people defense department people are very good at solving that problem and they want to reach right down all the way to the far right if you will and try and come up with an answer to a solution without frequently looking at the problem and understanding it. I call that the what and the how question. And that's one of the things that Rich and I um, seem to uh, link together. We bonded together very quickly because we both understand that. Those higher level topics you talk about, Rich, uh, the goals, the mission statement, the goals and the objectives, those are the what things that you want to achieve. But those projects, those programs, those activities that you do, that you actually have a budget tied to. Those are the how, and I try and tell my students, don't jump to the how until you know what the what is. Now the question you asked me was, well, what is performance measures? Well, that's what's in the middle. Those measures fit nicely between the two because you're measuring the activities that you're doing, but you're actually measuring how you're changing the needle on that broader level that what question, how you're changing the needle on a goal, are you achieving that goal through achieving those objectives. So those metrics are kind of like that that middleman. And that's hard that's hard for students to understand. Thank you.
0: Absolutely, yeah, thanks for that. So, so now let's uh, we're gonna kind of dive into the book. And again, you can find that on Amazon, and I believe there's electronic version as, as well to the paperback version. So, and we'll put a link on AGA's website so you all can find that easily. So, I thought for the audience uh, it'd be great if you could both maybe help us dive into the book. Maybe just starting off with you know, what are the main objectives of the book? And then we'll kind of go into those a little bit with a little bit more detail, but let's start off with, uh, yeah. Wh- why did you all write this book? And, and I also understand it can be used both for, you know, for leaders, but also as instruction or for giving classes, but maybe, uh, let's jump into that if you don't mind, please.
1: Okay. So I mean, we, we there's a lot of talk about strategic planning and performance measurement and such, but, what we wanted to make sure was we wanted to provide an instructional guide so that if you're the leader of an organization, if you're in senior management, um, and you want to figure out, okay, so how do I best apply these practices to my organization in a way that will be effective for me? Um, And we wanted to lay that out uh, and to show that, okay, so here's how you start implementing these practices to be able to, you know, create a vision formulate it, link it with the implementers, and then be able to achieve some results. And and throughout the book, we talk about the various steps that you go through to be able to install um, this kind of practice into an organization. And, and we grounded it in three guiding principles. Uh, that was in facilitating involvement, exercising active rather than passive management, and realizing where less can be more. And And these basic principles, in the book, we talk about Well, how do you apply these in the practices that you're implementing to try to help engage your organization in the vision of the leadership and in tracking their progress uh, um, to actually achieving results to better ensure that you actually achieve those results? So that's what we were trying to do with the book. And
2: piggybacking on that, um, that third guiding principle, less is more, probably relates to the comment I'm about to make. Um, Quite frequently, I see from my students, from those individuals that come to my classes and bring their organization's problems, um, not being able to clearly articulate what the problem is. Quite frankly, they talk too much. If you don't mind me saying it that way, we've all heard that expression, do you know what the elevator speech is? You have to be able to succinctly uh, wrap up a problem with a senior leader if you've got 30 seconds with them. In our class, we say, we call that telling the story. You've got to be able to tell the story of the VA Medical Center, the Department of the Interior. The, uh, army surgeon general's office, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to be able to clearly and succinctly wrap that up in a fairly short, um, succinct, uh, manner. And that ties in with that principle. That's one of the reasons I wrote, I, I participated in writing the book is I wanted to get that theme out to people. Make it clear, make it short and make it direct.
1: Thanks. And, and, and I, and I, I would like to add that. I mean, the book is not just for the leadership of an organization. I mean, it's for, sure, it's for, you know, potentially a new appointee They come to Washington. They want to know, they're trying to think about, okay, how do I engage this organization in the pursuit of what I would like it to do? But it's also for the senior leadership team who works with the, with the leader to, to define these practices and to help run the organization. And it's for, for, um, for other managers, for example, uh, I used to be the Director of Planning and Performance Management at the Department of the Interior, so I mean this book would help me have a guide so I could talk to my leadership and my senior management about well here are some of the practices that we could use to try to engage the organization in what you 'd like to achieve and, and even for even for analysts, I mean even financial managers, for, for financial managers, even for program people if they want to have a sense of how this all works together and such. This this book, I think, gives them that insight into those practices, and some of those practices they may want to implement on, on their level as well. Uh, we're also hoping that the book would be a good uh, instructional tool for, for classes to, you know, use at the university so that students who are pursuing their master's or their doctorate in public administration. Um, they would use this as a way to get other ideas on, on how they could help advise their organization to run. Uh, and and the book has federal implications. We're also interested in seeing to what extent it has implications at the state level, because a lot of the practices, even though there's no necessarily a GPRA for states, a lot of states have something comparable, and, uh, and, and some of the, the exhibits that we use in the book, were actually built on data that we gained from from some of the states. So, um, so it, we're hoping that it's a pretty much a a broad, a broad I'm sorry, a broad uh, application for not just leaders but for uh, practitioners as well.
0: And uh, Rich, let me uh, follow on on that. So, kind okay, of talked about the purposes of, of the book and, and what it's meant to to, to help folks with. So I guess just at a general level, I mean, you know, agency, federal agencies have been doing budgeting and performance for for decades. You know, obviously, right? So strategic planning and and metrics and measurement and and reporting it out and budget, you know, budget decision making. So I'm guessing you thought there's either improvements that can be made or just maybe more awareness for everybody. You know, how is this? How is this supposed to work? I mean, is that fair? Do you feel like there's just some Improvements that needed to be made out there, and you all wanted to clarify that, you know put a, forward a a good way to approach it
1: yeah i mean i I think to a large extent oh, or i'm sorry, I shouldn't say a large extent, but in some agencies um there's a tendency to kind of look at implementing the government performance and results act as as an act of uh, this is something that we have to do and and we're required to you know to generate these plans, we're required to generate these reports. And and what John and I wanted to do was put together a book that shows not just you know how you how you put these practices in place, but how do you actually use these practices so that they actually have a benefit for the organization. And when you start to implement these practices in that manner, then what you find is is that you start to get uh, the the rest of the organization engaged in in those practices as well. So we wanted to go beyond just just the idea of creating a plan, creating a perform, creating performance measures, producing a report, we wanted to go into the actual use of these practices. And, and we weren't sure if, if, if there were agencies, you know, some, some may do it more for compliance as opposed to actually seeing that there's some value in this that they can use and actually helping to achieve their results. So, so that was where we thought we thought the need was, is, you know, how do you use this to actually better ensure that the vision Of the leadership actually uh, gets realized.
2: Which is one reason why the structure of the book is the way it is. When Rich and I first began this journey, we debated the idea of writing a solid academic book, a scholarly book, if you will, uh, something that might help those PhD students that Rich just talked about. Um, And we opted for a little bit more, I don't know, what would you call it, just a how-to book, a more practical uh, guide, use whatever word you want. We we opted uh, to take that approach. We tried to make the book a little bit more of a guidebook, a little handy, something you'd keep in your toolkit, that type of approach.
0: Great. Perfect. Well, let's get into that. So I want to talk touch on these three uh, principles that you mentioned a, a few moments ago, and maybe just a few more words on each of them. Tell us what, what they're meant to convey. So, Uh, Let's start off with, uh, we talked about the importance of facilitating involvement across your organization for this. You know, who's involved? What are some of the the key uh, considerations there?
1: Okay, so for facilitating involvement, um, there there are practices that I would come upon um, as I started with certain organizations where the example I would give is, So if they're creating performance measures, well, there would be an organization, uh, usually in either the administrator's office or the secretary's office, there would be a tendency to create the performance measures and then give them to the program. And and what John and I are talking about is, well, why don't you go ask the program what performance measures are most meaningful to them? So right, what we're doing now is we're starting to drag, I kind of say we're dragging them into the boat. So we're, we're saying is that, you know, we're not just going to create performance measures and give them to you. Well, what would you find most useful? And now the idea of tracking performance becomes, becomes you know, their activity as well. Even as far as strategic planning is concerned, um, one of the tools we talk about is creating a strategic plan framework. And the strategic plan framework is a is a good way to get the leaders to identify what they want to achieve. And then you take that framework to the implementers, the technical experts, the program managers and such, and you say, well, this is what our leadership would like to accomplish. Well, what do you think about that? And at that point, we're starting now, again, now we're starting to involve them in the the planning process. And what happens is is that when you involve the, the recipients of that you know, plan when it's finally produced, when you involve them in the actual creation of that plan, well it's first of all it's very motivational because and, and also too, they start to have ownership in the plan because they're putting in what they think belongs there. And and so now what happens is is that I'm marrying the the vision of the of the leadership and what they think could be accomplished with the with the technical experts who know what can work. So that's the that's what facilitating involvement um, is about is engaging the organization in the actual pl- practice of planning and performance management. I mean, even when you get to a review on a monthly or a quarterly basis, what happens is is that you bring the program manager, you bring the leadership into the meeting forum. And, and we used to do that uh, both at Interior and at NASA. And, and what happens is you start to get a dialogue going between the technical experts and those who are concerned about what's going on across the organization and whether the organization is working or not.
2: And as far as the second uh, uh, principle, active uh, rather than passive management, I can just cut right to the chase and keep it short. It essentially means talking versus writing. It essentially means more discussions, more active talking, more active communication versus uh, reams and reams and reams of documentation. I spent 30 years in the Air Force. I can tell you many, many times the old joke was, where's your strategic plan? Where's your commander's guidance document? Where's your wing uh, uh, policy documents? Well, guess where they were? They were in a three-ring binder that somebody printed out, punched holes in, and it's up on a shelf. It's gathering dust. How often do you read it? Once a year when I put the new one in. It's It's not a live active uh, type of a document. Um, what we're trying to urge there, and again, this is nothing new. This is nothing that other uh, authors have, have not added, but it's critical. You have to be more active in your in your communication, in your dialogue theory, as Moynihan would say. Leaders have to take that active approach. That was principle number two. Yeah,
1: and and I think that one of the questions you should always ask, if you're creating a performance measure, you're creating a plan, is... You ask, well, what, what effect, what's the result? What effect on what decisions is this information going to have? If you're collecting information just to report it, and it's not necessarily helping you decide which way to go, on, uh, on on implementing a program or a project, if there's no no result or benefit you're getting from from the data that you're collecting, then maybe you need to make sure that you're you're collecting other data that is more useful. So I think anytime you're generating a report or generating performance measures and such, you should always need to ask, well, what, how is this going to help me make better decisions? So and I think that's that's more of an active role. Um, the third, for realizing where less can be more, as John was mentioning before, one of the things that I started to realize was that I think we need to put the level of detail to the, uh, make it correspond to the, uh, to the level of management. And what we're talking about is, is that, um, you know, the story, the story I used to tell, well, I mean, not that it was a real story, but, it's like the the director of the National Park Service gets on the elevator with the secretary of the interior and the secretary of the interior says to the director, so John, how's it going? And, And so there are over 400 units in the national park system. Do you really think that the National Park Service director is gonna start with A for Acadia National Park and talk about all 400 units and then end up with Z for Zion National Park? I mean, the building isn't that tall the, the elevator ride isn't that long, and besides which, you're going to lose the secretary probably after about the fifth or sixth, and, and then you lose context. So it's important that, you know, for, for a program or a project manager, they have the details of their program or their project. That's what they're good at handling. That's what they should deal with. By the time you get to the, the senior leaders of an organization, they're looking at how all well the programs and the projects how they're all melding together to produce the results that they want, basically to achieve the goals, uh, to, to, to realize the mission. So if the leader is looking at how these all fit together, you really don't necessarily want to bring the program or the project level of detail to their doorstep because you don't have, they don't have time for it. And you, you need to have, find a context that is meaningful to them. So a lot of times realizing where less can be more is matching the level of detail with the corresponding level of management. So hopefully, Paul, does that kind of give you an idea of some of the the three the three principles that and and we just don't talk about these principles. We just don't say, well, these what you should do. We also throughout the book explain how you use those principles, how to implement them.
0: Right. No, I think that helps a lot. And yeah, speaking of some some of the key concepts, there's a few things I wanted to circle back. Maybe get more a little more detail. Um, and actually, one is I just want to make a comment. I mean, I used to work with some performance reports and. You know, I would get a little discouraged when basically year after year they just say, "Okay, our metric was achieved twenty percent. We achieved nineteen. Oh, we'll do better next year. And the next year we hit twenty-one. All right, we did it." But I mean, it just wasn't much more to it, you know. I mean, do you come across that a lot? And how do you get away from just that kind of doing it by rote?
1: Uh yes, I, I feel your pain. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I mean, it's it. it there's no context. There's no context. There's no information. It doesn't help you. Um, I mean, one of the one of the things I remembered was we created an agency priority goal at the Department of the Interior, and um, at the time, well, the department probably still is interested in basically, um, you know, creating renewable energy uh, capability on public lands, and so they had this target of uh, that they wanted to install. I think it was something at like 10,000 megawatts of Generating capacity from renewable energy after the end of two years, and and by you know as we were doing the quarterly reviews, we realized that well we're not going to make it to ten thousand. We're going to make it to eight thousand, and and so and, and a lot of a lot of managers are afraid to go into these kind of processes because th- what they're expecting is somebody's going to say aha, you failed you you, know, you said you're going to do ten thousand you only did eight thousand so what happened to the other two? Um, but the thing is is that. What happened in this case is that they knew they were heading for 8,000 instead of the 10,000. And, and what came along with that context that you were looking for, Paul, they started mentioning about, well, you know, we've had some issues here. We've had some, some issues in this place and this, in this particular area or in some other particular area. Uh, and that we're going to be looking at addressing those. So what ended up happening was rather than the hammer coming down and then there being, you know, um, you know, some kind of a punitive reaction, Um, the idea was, is that the information was being used to figure out, you know, well, what do we need to do? What are we going to do? And to be able to advise constituents that, okay, so here's what we're planning to do. So, um, so I think what it is, is you've always got to ask, it's up to, you know, maybe the leadership or particularly, if, you know, you're the, the director of planning and performance management, you know, or or one of the folks in that organization. It's up to you to ask that question when they say, well, I don't think I'm going to meet my target. And you just you have to make sure you say, well, why? We well, have you know, what's going on? Is there something you can do? And to encourage that kind of uh, um, that kind of thinking. And and again, that comes from when you actually engage the the um, the program folks in the discussion that's going on on the performance measures. So I would say you got to ask those questions. You know, just don't accept you know, goal met, not met, the idea was you got to look to see, you know, what's the context, what's going on, what corrective actions can be taken so that people hearing this discussion see it as, well, this is a constructive process. This is not just, you know, we're not just basically checking a box.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, because like I said, I mean, this is the the purpose of, you know, these are the goals of the agency for, for a reason. This is what they're trying to accomplish. And, you know, they'll just give us a number, tell us is this important? And what, if we're not meeting it, why not? And if we are exceeding it, you know, yeah, give us more detail, but either, overall, yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, so another uh, one uh, concept I really like, and maybe just give us a little more thoughts on is, is, you know, do not confuse the what with the how you mentioned it earlier, but you know, can you give us some examples of where, where that happens and, and how to avoid that?
1: Rich, you want to start? Okay. So, um, so I think you know between the what and the how, a lot of times what ends up happening is, is that as we're as we're tracking goals and we're measuring um, performance and such, you know there are aspects of the there are aspects of the process that supports multiple programs and projects. So you take things like information technology, you take things like um, like financial management, you take things like acquisition and such, and a lot of times there may be a tendency to focus solely on the information technology, solely on the acquisition, you know, how many acquisitions did I complete effectively? How, you know, how, you know, how, what's my, um, um, my, my rate of uh, financial disclosure. Um, um, I'm trying to find the words for the, um, the incorrect payments, you know, and, and, I mean, and those are pieces of information that have use in each of those, those areas. But the, I think the thing is we need the context associated with those, as far as, so what is the implementation? Not just how many, you know, how many um, in data intrusions do we have in our system intrusions do we have in our information technology, but we wanna have uh, goals and performance measures that talk about to what extent that information technology has helped in making the decisions. Um, has information technology has allowed us to, in a sense, to, to process permits for access to renewable energy resources, uh, you know more quickly and such. So you got to put some of these things in context, and I think that's where where the you know the 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 how and the what sometimes gets confused, because you know because these are more uh, how you get there. They're important. They're they're capability providers, but we need to put them in the context of what they're actually accomplishing.
2: John, do you have anything to add? Sure. What I frequently see, again, in my classes is training. It seems like a lot of students always latch on that, and as they write their little reports, they write their papers about their organizations, they're very quickly very quickly telling me, I'm going to send my my staff, my people, my airmen, my Marines to more and more training. That's fine. That's a project... Uh, program-type metric, et cetera, et cetera. But I always have to come back to them and say, are you simply counting the number of heads you send through training, and is is that a valid metric? Uh, it is to a certain level. It is in a certain context, as Rich says. But I always push them a little and say, what do you want to achieve from that training? Why are they going to that training? What's the real metric behind it, and how are you going to determine that? Um, I frequently get a lot of, you know, the uh, RCA Victor dumb dog look. Uh, they stare at me, going, "I don't quite understand what you're asking, Professor O'Brien." And I have to push them a little bit to say, "The sending an uh, X number of people to training is fine, but why are you doing it?" Thank you.
1: And 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 if I can add
2: Paul onto this too,
1: is that there was a there were practices that we put in place at NASA when I was there. We called it full cost management. And even to the extent that we would start to look at, um, the, the you know, the financial information that we had and we looked at how we were budgeting and such. And, and we started to realize that if we're budgeting for facilities, if we're budgeting for, for people, uh, if we're budgeting for, you know, construction of facilities, the idea was we wanted to start to link it into the program so that, so that we weren't just basically budgeting certain s- systems and capabilities. We were budgeting for them in the context of, of what they were trying to achieve and how they were benefiting that. And and so now it's starting to get more of it's not just it's not just data. It's now becoming information. It's starting to give us a sense of how much value are we getting, you know, out of these funds and such. So um so this is where we got to keep a focus on. It's 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 not just it's not just the how and, and it's not just the why. We got to see how they link together.
0: Right. No, thank you. Yeah that's a great uh great explanation there. So we have a couple more uh, questions for you here as our time is running down, unfortunately. But it's been a good conversation. Um, and, again, all this content is in the book, so I encourage folks to go out and, and order that. But uh, I, before we go here, I want to ask you at least two more questions. One is just if you could run down for us a little bit about what kinds of practical tools and templates do you actually have in the book, you know, some uh, some ways that folks can use those. And then we'll just close it out with anything else uh, you'd like to mention about the, the book or just best practices. But so maybe we can just dive into a couple of the tools in there, if you if please describe those for us.
1: Okay. So, uh, I mean, some of the tools that I would like to highlight is I mentioned before about creating a strategic plan framework and we describe how to create that. And, and I remember when a new administration had come to the department of the interior and, you know, obviously it's time like John was talking about to create a new strategic plan. And and what we thought we would do is, we would create this strategic plan framework where on one page for an organization, and I know when I talk to somebody at the military, this may seem small, but for an organization that has 2,500 locations, 10 bureaus, probably something on the order of uh, 17,000 full-time government employees and such, and manages 20% of of the nation's resources, on one page, on one sheet, we put a structure of the main mission areas and the main goals that the organization had been trying to achieve. And we had adjusted it for the new administration. And so we went to the deputy secretary who had been on board. Well, he had been in the transition team, but anyway, so he'd been on board for a few months. And so we showed it to him and we said, well, you know, we would like to create a strategic plan along this outline, the strategic plan framework. And, uh, and we think, maybe we've got this tool to to what the secretary wants. And his reaction was, he goes, wow, this is fantastic. He says, I I, I wouldn't mind taking this into him right now uh, and showing it to him. But, you know, there were a few things I want to refine and a few, lang- you know, some of the language and some of these I would like to refine. And I thought, this is fantastic. We're creating the discussion. We're, we're getting... The, we're getting the deputy secretary engaged in identifying what the vision of the secretary is, and he's helping to refine that and creating that conversation. And John and I are always talking about creating that interaction, that discussion, and this is back to the active management and such. So, um, so anyway, so there was the strategic plan framework, and, and I know that other agencies have picked up a similar practice. Uh, that they that they use for that, and I think I mean not that OMB picked it up from us. I think they just came upon it themselves. They I think they've actually built it into A11. The other tool that we have is we have this scatter plot that we use, and again we're trying to we're trying to combine you know or represent a broad a, a broad amount of activities though. So, somewhat straightforward. The scatter plot shows you performance and funding trends across the agency's major program areas on one slide. And we put, uh, divide them into four quadrants, and those quadrants help you define where you need to prioritize your attention, which areas maybe you can kind of let slide for a bit on where do you really need to look at. And then another process was uh, uh, one of the things I found very useful at uh, at NASA was we had a three-tier decision process when we were building our budget. And so rather than trying, you were trying to find, let's say maybe more of a neutral or a qualitative way of deciding what should be in the budget and what shouldn't be. And and we based it on reviewing our commitments, looking at augmentations to existing existing programs, and then our new activities. And we made decisions on them in those three tiers. And that really helped us step through as opposed to getting confused and and kind of going back and forth between, well, wait a second, we said something about this program here. Does that fit with this other program? And it really helped our leadership step through the decision process. And and then we have the the other items, the other tools are in there. Have to do with um, if you're you're using a logic model to identify you know if you've got adequate coverage. Uh, we talk about how to make practical performance measures that engage the organization, uh, how to conduct uh, uh, um, constructive, productive quarterly reviews that leadership and program people actually participate in and engage in, in cross-conversation. So those are at least some of the tools that we put in there, and all of those tools are put in the context of trying to implement those three guiding principles that we talked about earlier. John, did, did I cover things?
2: You got something to add? And to shamelessly plug our book, the scatterplot that Rich and I are talking about is figure 9, figure 10, page 62 and 63 of the book, for those of you following at home. We think this is one of the uh, one of the most outstanding tools in the book because, as Rich said, it tracks increased performance, decreased funding, increased performance, increased funding, decreased performance, decreased funding, and decreased performance, increased funding. If you follow along, that you're smarter than I am. But the, the scatter plot really lays it out. We find we have found uh, folks have used it. Well, we've tested it, and uh, they seem to really enjoy it. Again, page 62 and pick 63 of your book.
0: Thank you <laughs> that 's great, yeah no, well done time, yeah and every time i every time I buy a book like this, I find those uh templates tools, graphs, and just you know copy them, stick them on my desk, stick them on the wall. just I love having those references like that, So it's, that's great you have that um, all right well go
1: ahead if I, if, I, if I may add and and I like to think that a lot of these tools we've implemented in a pretty straightforward way, you know when i mean i don 't want to harp on the scatter plot too much. But a lot of it is, is you know, if you've got the information, it's basic math. We didn't want to work through a lot of complicated calculations because if you start, you know, you know, we didn't want to. We're kind of simplistically normalizing things to to, to compare them, as opposed to using all sorts of special, uh, complicated factors and such, which then gives the audience a sense that, well, you know, are you really cooking the books here or something along those lines? We wanted something that would grab the audience's attention it would and and it doesn't answer all the questions but it gives them some perspective on the information to help guide them as to what needs more attention what needs more discussion and and that's what we're trying to do we're trying to create that discussion to have that active management
0: okay well time has flown by but i want to give you both just an uh, one more chance to kind of give us either a final thought either encourage us you know go out and get the book and again, or just, you know, anything else that we didn't cover today, you want to give give you one more shot here. So when uh, we we'll go with rich and then John, and we'll be the final thought.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I hope the uh, Paul, again, I thank you for giving us this opportunity to talk about the book and some of the material that's in it. And, and, and I hope those of you who are listening will find it interesting enough and, and that, you know, that this is something you could benefit from and that you'll, you know, again, I'm not trying to plug Amazon specifically. It's just that's where the book is available, that you can go to the Amazon website, you can look the book up um, under the title uh, or under our names. And uh, and and I think we have a nice introductory price on it so that, you know, so that it's accessible and you can get access to it. Uh, and I'm hoping that you're going to find this to be a good practical, ex- a good practical discussion on how you can implement these planning and performance management principles in an organization to make it more successful and to help link the leadership and their vision with the technical abilities um, of the of the managers and the and the technical experts who are in the organization. John, you have something to add, please. Yeah,
2: just one final thought. Thank you for having me. Thank you uh, on behalf of Rich and myself. We've enjoyed it. Uh, Best advice I can give people is tell that story. Know how to tell your story of success for your organization. Thank you.
0: Great. Well, once again, the book is Engaging the Organization in Effective Performance Management. Dr. Richard Beck, John O'Brien, our guests for today. So, Rich, John, thanks again for joining us today. Thank you, Paul thank you Paul well that's our show thanks for tuning in agacgfm.org as usual is where you go and as you know we're in our second set of uh, hundred uh, or so podcasts hope to get to number 200 you see how fast we can get there but uh, again happy to reach that milestone number 100 so like I said until that next time This is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA.